This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, returning from the Netherlands, where uh, if you watched Glory 76, you saw one of the most unlikely finishes in the history of probably all of kickboxing. Would you agree? Oh, it was absolutely insane. I'm surprised I can actually speak right now because I lost my, what's a nice way of saying it? I lost my mind. I lost <laughs> my mind. So, yeah, I actually, the next day I was trying to talk. I was so bad. But, yeah, Butter Hari made me lose my voice. He's a killer, kill, be killed fighter, and he uh, lived up to the name and the hype. It was insane. Well, his opponent is probably the one who helped you uh, lose your voice because, uh, I, I called it a Hail Mary, and people were like, that, that's, not what, that's not a Hail Mary. And I'm like, no, no, that was a Hail Mary. Did he injure his arm? Yes. I was wondering about that, because when he got up, he pointed to his arm, and the ref was like, no, no, keep going. <laughs> so no, I, I have no clue what yeah, he was Yeah, that's what doing. I was curious but, about. Yeah, he was just, I mean, being Botter, right? If you mm -hmm. look at, I think Botter's got like 150 fights. I think he's only been to a decision, win or lose, mate, less than... 10 times for sure like he does not go to decision it's literally insane to know that if he loses he's getting knocked out there's no in between so that's just what makes him you know still probably the most popular kickboxing of all time of ever so yeah. it was nuts but nuts. That, that fight was over like we've seen comebacks in mma before where but i don't know if you've seen somebody that was that done come back and win like i mean i think about like mirsad bektik versus darren elkins where elkins makes a comeback and and uh you know bektik is tired and he's able to to get that win but uh this wasn't that like this this was a guy getting completely obliterated for the entire bout throwing up a kick catching him right on the temple and and it was over like yeah i've just i've yep. never seen anything like that i i have rare moments where i get up and yell when i'm watching an event and yeah. uh, I had that uh, when I was watching. It was like, it was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. It's insane. I mean, I stood up and started basically, there's a little clip when you watch it. I stand up and I lift my hand up in the air and then it switches angles. But that hand in the air ended up slapping Todd on the back like multiple <laughs> times because I didn't know how to deal with it. My only re real reaction was to hit someone. So I started slapping Todd on the back. That, yeah, that's probably the most I've ever lost it. We were actually trying to think what comebacks would have been, you know, especially being a huge underdog like that. I thought of um, Czech Congo and Pat Barry maybe. Yeah, but I don't think Czech Congo was an underdog in that fight, was he? Like I don't. I don't know. I doubt I'm it. trying to think of the big comeback or Robbie Lawler versus uh, Manhoff in Strikeforce, yeah. was it? Uh, what, but I mean, yeah, was, it, was it an underdog like that? They were no, probably so. at that point almost even money. But, but it's also insane. these guys. I mean, I guess Czech Congo is a good example because he was like on the brink of being done, right? Like the ref could have stopped that one, no problem. But uh, yeah. in this situation, and, like, how many knockdowns was that? He was one away from the fight being over, right? Yeah, like, one away from yeah. being over. Yeah, and he and he was one away and, from like one over. one or two more strikes, and that would have it would have gotten there. I mean, he was yeah, he like was even getting if he demolished. punched the arm. He was done. Anything. Any big shot was probably he was done. Mm -hmm. It was insane. But honestly, I think that card as a whole, that whole pay-per-view card was fantastic. I mean, it reminded me of old school kickboxing. 
from all lot of heavyweights to like good knockouts. We saw low kick finishes, Plaza Bot with big hook cross, heavy knockouts. We saw Pereira and Vahitov, some of the two most technical kickboxers, you know, go at it. And we got the news that was actually Alex Pereira's last fight, yeah. and he'll be in the November pay per view in the UFC. Yeah. I don't know if he's on the pay per view part, but he's uh He'll be on the numbered series. They want to introduce him or or make him the main event of the prelims where you're going to get a lot of eyeballs on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could watch Pereira Vakitov every weekend. Like, that's magic, those two together. Yeah. I mean, I know this is an MMA show, but, I mean, I'd put that kickboxing card and I would tell any MMA fan to watch it and I can guarantee you'd be a fan of that sport, man. That was fun. That was a fun event. It was fun live, I think. We just had the right matchups, good finishes, nice heavyweights willing to kind of knock each other out. That That's what kickboxing is. That I think that show summed us up. Well, if you're one of those fans of uh, mixed martial arts that don't like the grappling element of it, and you, th- you think the grappling is boring, well, I don't know why you haven't been watching Glory in the first place, right? Like, I mean, it just seems like uh, <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you should be watching. Just pure entertainment. Just, I mean, even, okay, I'm not, I don't value the grappling as much as most, but if there is a great, if you tell me, hey, check out this amazing match with Gary Tonin is is fighting this Brazilian savage, I'm, I'm watching it, you know? It doesn't matter if I'm not, I'm still could appreciate the value of good entertainment. So I think anyone could watch that and still be entertained. So yeah, and, and while that's I like the grappling want. and respect the grappling, if you told me that the two best BJJ guys, we're having a grappling match, and the two best kickboxers, we're going to have about, I mean, 11 times out of 10, I'm watching the kickboxing match. Right? Oh, like for sure. Yeah. But I, exactly. but I, I maybe not every, I, like, I know for a fact not everybody's like that. It's just, I don't know. I, I, uh, I love watching Glory. I wish that there were more events, uh, obviously, for, for obvious reasons there haven't been, but, uh, man, like, that, that event brought me back. That was, like you said, like one of those classic yeah. events where everything was awesome. <laughs> like where every single and, fight yeah. pretty much And it's great. not stopping. October 23rd, we have Alistair Overeem back, right? Well, so, I mean, soon? this is wow. where I think we get the uh, a lot more of the MMA fans watching. So what was it like being in the Netherlands? In a white, I hope that's what we need. What was it, it was like, honestly yeah. refreshing. It was like... There was no COVID existed. That's it was. I didn't see one mask. They lived normal. They lived regular. The only place you had to wear a mask was in uh, airports and public transit, which I didn't really go to public transit. But I didn't see one. It was uh, weird leaving my hotel room, going out for the day without my phone, wallet, mask. And it was just weird. But uh, things seemed normal there, so it was kind of nice. And uh, it was nice for me to be out there, to be honest. So yeah, back well. to normal, back in the action, back to fans, seeing the coaches. Like we've seen each other probably once a month for the last four or five years. So the coaches, I miss the coaches, the fighters. And it was weird because I met some fighters online through the glory. And then when we seen them in person, I'm like hugging them and I'm hitting them. And I'm like, hold on, I never really met you. I only met you on Zoom in the last two shows. So it was kind of weird, but it was nice to, to meet uh, the new fighters and the new roster. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped we're back. And you met potentially the future light heavyweight champion of the uh, the UFC. Yeah, and we got to share a lot of good stories and fun after the event as well. So, yeah, Glover Teixeira was there, and he was fun. It was a cool dude. Really, really got to, to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit. So, awesome dude. Well, you offered a chance to train in the legendary garage in Danbury, Connecticut, where he uh, gets his reps in. I was going to train with them actually there at the event. Uh, we we're going to they asked me to to train with the Brazilian because there was a few Brazilians there. So I just unfortunately had to do production meetings uh, which was boring, but 
um, at the end of the day, I hope one day to be able to train with them. The Brazilians are very friendly, so that's definitely a place I'd like to go. And I, I want to see how good Pereira is. I mean, I always talk about, you know, how good he is and how I'd like to, you know, fight him and how test myself. And he's a friend, obviously, but I just want to see how good he, he actually is. So he, one he day, he's a lot taller than you, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's a monster. We were just play grappling. Like I went to shoot like a single on him to play around, and I put him in a body lock. I was like, man, you you're strong. He's big and strong and stiff and awkward. So I, I had to test it out a little bit. Well, I thought uh, he won that. Good hands. I thought he won that fight um, with a deduction. It would have been a draw in my mind, but I thought that he won three of those five rounds. Then again, I don't know the scoring criteria for kickboxing particularly, but it seems like the judges don't either because those scorecards were all over the place. Yeah, that was one of our. We actually had to change. We left um, ISK, and now we're with Waco and. Yeah, they were giving us some funny scores that they didn't understand kickboxing scoring. So I think our. Uh, one of the big boys of glory are having to speak to them. Yeah, probably. It would be They're giving nine, nine rounds. We don't give nine, nine rounds. It's a 10-point <laughs> yeah, must system. Nine, nine rounds. And wow. all of a sudden, we're like, well, what? Well, there's well, no if, point I mean, if, deduction. If point, How is it yeah. nine, nine? With a point deduction, but there wasn't one. Nine, nine. Yeah. There was a 10-8 with no knockdown. Like, we're not doing MMA scoring. There's no 10-8s. Right. I, I don't know why we had a... And So, I, you, so in kickboxing, you can't get a 10-8 without a knockdown? Like, if somebody's... I mean, usually there's a no. standing eight count at some point, but yeah, yeah. So you, unless you knock someone down, I guess they're three minute rounds too, right? So there's yeah. probably not enough damage you could do in that time to have a 10 8 without a knockdown. I mean, and the ref can't step in. If the ref stops in, it's over. So. Yeah. And that point I was, mean, uh, that point deduction was weird. Like it just, it seemed like that was just a normal, like normal kickboxing behavior. Yeah. I don't know. It was a little bit more they were pressing up, I understand, but I mean, it's a, were a world title fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a world title fight. I don't know. I don't agree with it. But overall, it was a good night. But I'm going to need you, uh, Mr. Bronsetter, to help me fill me in what happened with this UFC. I kind of got the gist of things, but I need the details. All right. Well, I mean, the details were that uh, the UK fighters were on a roll. They were Jack Shore got a win. Molly McCann got a win. Patty Pimblett got a win. Tom Aspinall got a win. Paddy Pimblett had one of the best debuts you'll see in the UFC with a guy that came in with hype to do what he did. Uh, and then Darren, Darren, Derek Brunson just obliterated Darren Till. Like, that wasn't a close fight. And uh, Darren Till apparently had torn his ACL 10 days before the fight. But uh, I spoke to Derek Brunson yesterday, and he came in with um, a broken rib that he suffered, like, I think two or three weeks before the fight and couldn't really train much. And uh, also mentioned that both of his parents got COVID. His mom almost died. Like, he had a lot of stuff going on in his uh, camp as well. So it wasn't one of those Jeez. things where it was just one, one side had an injury and the other one didn't. He, uh, he had some turbulence as well. What did, uh, so with this fight, I've been hearing mixed and for, uh, big mixed messages. Sorry. So Darren Till was leading the fight. My understanding until the third round. No, no, no. I think that, I think Brunson, if I recall, hmm, I wonder what the scorecard, I'm going to see if I can pull the scorecard up. Cause maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting, uh, Forgetting what happened, but uh, if I recall, I thought I thought Brunson won the first two rounds too. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm forgetting because th he did get cracked once in that fight. Um, let's see if I can find the scorecards here. Brunson Till scorecards. That's Shore Show Show Linian here. Till Brunson. Yeah, Brunson had won the first two rounds on the judges' scorecards. On so, all on all those judges' on all scorecards. Three, yeah, all three wow. judges' scorecards. So it was pretty much one-way traffic. 
Now, Darren Till, what's going on? He's now one in four, I believe, in his last yeah, his last five to, outings. Well, yeah, in his last five plus since moving to middleweight, I think he's one in three. So I don't know. I mean, like, here's the thing: Darren Till is a good fighter, but what has he done to prove that he's anything beyond that? That he's an, an elite fighter? That he's a potential championship caliber fighter? And I think everybody's going to come out and say, you know, the, the narrative this week's going to be that he's overrated. But at the same time, yeah. if you're looking at who he's fighting. We're talking about top, top guys. Like, we're talking about Whitaker. We're talking about Brunson, I think, is a top guy. Do you agree? I mean, he's a top five guy in that division, undoubtedly. Uh, yeah, he's oh, established sorry. himself so he's for one sure. one and two at middleweight. So, so he beat Gastelum, split decision. And then he got knocked out by Masvidal, who uh, since then has ascended to stardom and has fought twice for, for the title. And uh, he lost to Tyron Woodley, who at the time was, like, a great champion. And, and I think that Darren Till would be the first to admit that he wasn't ready for that challenge at the time. So... You know, we can we can say that Darren Till's overrated or anything along those lines and push that narrative, but at the same time, he's fighting really tough guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with it. I mean, I think with him, it's his he's confident. He has that, his mental side, you know, speaks for itself. He wants the big fights, but I'm trying to look up the the rankings now to kind of see what level would you put him at next kind of thing. Like, where do you see him sit? Well, I think they, what they need to be very careful of with Darren Till next, to really see if he's the real deal, is you have to match him up carefully. Because he yeah. had a close fight with Whitaker. I mean, all things considered, he had a, it was a stand-up fight, and he had a pretty close fight with Whitaker. It was clear that Whitaker had won at the end of things, but he cracked Whitaker, I believe, was in the first round. And, uh, you know, as the fight went on, Whitaker picked up steam and, and got momentum. I think, like, a Uriah Hall would be a great fight for him next. Sean Strickland. Yeah, what about Ed Edmund Shabazian? Edmund Shabazian, like that's, da- that's dangerous. Al- yeah, something along those still, lines. You need to give him a dangerous fight. Kevin Holland would be a fun fight. Like something along yeah. those lines. That somebody who's not going to be trying to press him to take him down. Like Jack Hermanson would be a terrible fight. Like that's the fight I don't want to see, right? Yeah. Because yeah. stylistically, that's a terrible fight for Darren Till. But um, yeah, I, I mean, no, hey, if Darren Till tore his ACL, we need to wait <laughs> probably. Another eight, eight to twelve months before we're going to see him again, anyways. But uh, yeah, I think you need to give him somebody. I think Uriah Hall honestly would be the perfect opponent for him. Yeah, if you I, were agree. To match I it think up today. They're, their problem—they're both kind of slower-paced fighters, so it might not be set for the most entertaining fight. But it's a good level matchup for sure. Yeah, so I—I I I think, think Brad Tavares will scrap, and I think you give him a three-round fight next too. Yeah, Brad Tavares—that's another great one. Brad Tavares is a perfect example. Something along yeah. those lines. So there's a lot of good matchups you can make for Darren Till that are favorable matchups in terms of, again, just, just the stylistic matchup where you know that he's going to hang with them at the very least. So, yeah. uh, you know, those are... And I don't think that going back to 170 is the right answer either, even though he had most of his success there. He's just too big. Now, Brunson, I know the talk is, is the title shot next? Does it make sense? And what do you think about it? I think he's got to beat Cannoneer. I, I like that. I yep. personally just Cannoneer has not fought for the title, right? So you got two guys that are around the same age. They're both in their late thirties. One of them should get a crack at Israel if Israel is able to get through Whitaker, who looks like a great, you know, who looks even more improved. And that, I think that's. Gonna, I don't think that's a slam dunk for Israel. But um, if he's able to get past Whitaker, he's already beaten Brunson, and but he's never fought Cannoneer. So I think if Brunson wants to to snatch that title shot, he needs to beat Jared Cannoneer. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. 
That makes total sense. What's and if happening he doesn't, with then Paulo you can do Costa now? Manson and Kennedy or something and see what happens there. Uh, Costa's fa- facing Marvin Vittori, so that matchup's been made. Um, That's soon, right? Yeah, Is that, that soon? soon? I think, yeah. I think okay. it's in like the next, it's in the next month or two. Um, I think Shabazian has matched up with somebody too. I just can't remember who. Um, Uriah just fought. Gastelum just fought. Um, so there's not a ton of availability in the division right now. That's why I think Brunson Cannoneer makes sense. They both just fought, right? Like they both fought in the last three weeks. Like Brunson must must be one of the most active fighters in the UFC. Like the amount of fights he must have from how many years? Well, I mentioned that to him. He joined Strike Force more than 10 years ago. And the amount of fights that he's had since then is crazy against high-level competition. Like if you look at the guys that have beaten Brunson, it's all people that have gone on to be champion for the most part, aside from like Jacare, who's you know, was like a top three middleweight per like in like perennial top three middleweight for like five years. Right. Like so 22 and seven record. Like he's, he's been a UFC guy for years. And I think he's just always been a, that little bit under the radar until this nice little run he's on now. Well-deserved. Look at the seven losses. So the seven losses are Israel, Jacare, uh, Anderson Silva, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, <laughs> Jacques Ray again, wow. and then a split decision loss to Kendall Grove before he joined Strike, like when he was in show fights. So that was like 20, that, that was 2012. That's, that was 10 years ago. That's impressive. Almost 10 years ago. That's impressive. And I mean, and the I list mean, of wins isn't yeah. fantastic. You've got Lorenz Larkin, you've got Uriah Hall, um, you've got Leota Machida. But now the impressive wins are piling up. So his last four wins or you can even do five wins, Elias Diodoro, who's not an easy out, Ian Heinish, not an easy out, Edmund Shabazian knocks him out, Kevin Holland smothers him for five rounds, and then Darren Till, finishing Darren Till. So yeah. he's, his wins are getting better and better and better. He's, getting, he's like a fine wine. He's improving with age. He's uh, turning 38 in January. Young fellow like myself. So uh, we'll see what, what he's got going on. Well, I know he's training with Hooft in Sanford MMA, so that's probably got to be something to his success. Yeah, he mentioned that to me. I, he mentioned basically after the Israel fight, that's when he moved to Sanford, and he's kind of splitting his time between Sanford and North Carolina because he's got kids, right? Like, he, he wants to be at home. Uh, it was actually a really good interview. You should check it out. It'll be on uh, – I'm going to put that out, I think, tomorrow because I'm speaking with Laura Sanko tomorrow. And hopefully speaking with uh, Chad and Hellinger, who became the second Canadian to earn a contract on the Dana White Contender Series last night. Yeah, I actually saw that. I was actually messaging uh, my guy, Matty Special and asked about him. I was like, I've never heard of this kid. And I'm just happy to see uh, he was, uh, what was he, a 5-1 to one underdog and ended up uh, he was a three getting to one the win in a contract. They said he was a 6-1 to one underdog, but I think Dana White got confused. He was 6-1 to one to win by decision. So that's, oh, okay. That's yeah. But he was like a, more than a 3-1 to one underdog. But, yeah, I like it. Looked impressive and another Canadian to the roster. Now, where is he from? What? Where does he train? What province? I know nothing about him. He's from Calgary, and he trains in one of the big camps out there. Um, I wonder if it's where Hakeem trains. I forget what the name of the team is. He mentioned it in his uh, his uh, promo, and I probably should know. I just, I'm drawing a blank. I had a bad night last night, so my brain isn't, isn't working at 100%. Um, my dog decided she needed to go to the bathroom at 3 a.m. And, of course, there was a ma- massive thunderstorm here. So nothing wakes yeah. you up more than walking through a thunderstorm at 3 a.m., I'll tell you that much. But uh, mm. so, so he's, from, uh, he's from Calgary. He's st- he was 2-5 and five, uh, to start his career as a professional, 2-5. and five, And he just stuck with it. He, and he hasn't lost in seven years. And he's now won nine in a row since then. So well, He looked he, tough, looked yeah. impressive. 
been a- was able to kind of press and when he needed to, and yeah, looked okay. I'm excited. Now it's good. He's turning 35 soon, so his ceiling is kind of limited as a bantamweight. But I think we're still going to get some fun fights uh, going forward. I, I mean, the contender series has been awesome. That guy in the main event was phenomenal. Like he, he reminded me of Ray Cooper the third. He was just coming forward. Quinlan, Josh Quinlan. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, so, yeah. I just I see that. coming forward, throwing big looping hooks, but with like they, they weren't even really looping hooks. They're just powerful hooks, like just landing with everything. Yeah, I'm actually friends with uh, Chitty. Uh, yeah. Ned Juwani there, that one as well. I mean, low blowed a uh, couple too many times yeah. in that fight, but uh, <laughs> he ended up getting the win. He is honestly one of the uh, – the last time I was in Vegas there, I actually had uh, Matt Spech clinching with him. He's just He's big, big and strong. Yeah. And that was – was that light heavyweight, that fight? Middleweight. That, that was, was a middleweight. Yeah. Because I know how big Chitty is. His opponent must have been massive. That he was. kid must have been height. huge. He was like 6'4". Ch- Chitty is huge. Mm-hmm. When I look at Chitty, I look at like like an Alex Pereira, like just yeah, big. Yeah, similar build. And, and, I, and like I just could not believe how that big the other kid looked compared to Chitty. So I was like, dang. But uh, Chitty sealed the win. Yeah, he and the good. contract. He's able, to, so there's, there's yeah, been, he's able to mix it up. There's been nine fights this season and ten contracts given out. So Dana White's uh, turning into Dana Claus and handing out contracts. It's like when he's in the war room when I interview him. He's Dana Claus. He gives me a fight off the wall. So he's giving out contracts mm-hmm. as well. Um, so he's It's actually funny, too, about uh, the success of the Dana White show. I actually saw one FC totally bit off the show and has rich franklin's fighting series yeah and they also bit off the apprentice they have the uh the chaudry chaudry version of the apprentice yeah yeah i thought it was funny the rich franklin fighting series like at least make it a little bit different you know try to or the the rich franklin warrior series i was like change it up a bit guys come on well maybe they but, just don't think hey, people in asia are watching the ufc so they just take the idea and they run with it and they roll with it all right why not it's a good idea. It's a great, great concept for a show. It's been working. It's, it's been a working. fantastic. The Dana White, I'm telling you, it's one. It's, it's to me, it's the new ultimate fighter. I think this is the direction to go. I mean, I don't know, like you said, how we can keep handing out contracts, but let well, Maddie Spech uh, go in and keep handing them out once yeah, Maddie goes they in need there. People hopefully. on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that was a that was a fun night of fights uh, with the contender series and. Uh, going back to this past weekend, Tom Aspinall looked great in the co-main event, knocking out Sergei Spivak uh, halfway through the first round. This guy looks like a real player. I don't know how he's going to look when he starts getting into that third round or something, but it doesn't seem like he's had to for the most part. So uh, eager to see what his ceiling is because he's uh, a youngish guy, if I recall. Like He's 28 years old, heavyweight. You know, you don't see heavyweights under 30 get to this level so quickly. So uh, I think that there's just a lot of hope for the fighters coming out of the UK. I thought Molly McCann looked great. She she won a unanimous decision across the board. Uh, Patty Pimblett, like I mentioned, this guy's just got so much charisma, so much energy. He's uh, another trash talker like Darren Till. He says some stuff that is, uh, you know, not not great stuff, not stuff that I really agree with. You know, he's ripping Georgians and, like, <laughs> saying stuff like okay. that. He's got he's to maybe take it back just uh, just one. Go from, go from 10 to 9 with your trash talk. But... <laughs> Still, he's now, just now he's got this this thing about him. He's got this aura. Like it's one of those things where that you can't teach. Where you're watching him, and uh, there's something about him that's just it's so strange, but like, but also interesting. Like he's he's an it's it's similar to what Connor brought to the table. Like it wasn't some it was something like we haven't seen before. It's something that's interesting that you can't really put your finger on. 
Yeah, I don't know much about him, so that's why I'm kind of intrigued by it. But listening to someone like uh, Luke Thomas was saying they gave him like a, a B plus, and I was like wondering why. And they were saying he looked good, the excitement, but they said there's like they found holes in his defense a little bit, like he's maybe there open to hit. Well, he got hit, um, he got tagged in, the, in like the first minute or two. Yeah, so they're saying he looked great and everything was fantastic, but they can see where he needs to kind of develop a little bit uh, to get to those bigger fights, but everything about him, the height, the attention he's getting, for me not to even know and now that's all I've been hearing about. Now, it's got to be exciting. I'm I got to keep an eye on him, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, if I look um if I look down the the chart of this card, of the British fighter, not the British fighters, the fighters from the UK. Um, I think that of all the people that competed, the guy with the highest ceiling is Jack Shore. Like Jack Shore, he's like a like a mini GSP. He's just he's 26 years old and he's just fundamentals, like just great fundamentals. Uh, he's he's really good at everything. He's one of those guys where like I think his submission game is probably his best asset. But if you look at what at how he fights. He just has great control of range. He's got he, he's got great technical striking, strong wrestling. He just does everything well. If I were, if you were to ask me of all these guys who has the best chance of winning a championship, I would say Jack Shore. And I think Aspinall might be next Whoa. just because it's the heavyweight division. Yeah, no, I like Aspinall. Remember last time I was telling you, um, I always remember your reference on. I said I'm high on Aspinall, and that <laughs> right. was just now it just sticks with me. It sounds like high a, on sounds Aspinall. like Adderall. Or aspirin. you said it to me, and I was yeah. like, every, I can't now. I can't get it out of my mind every time I hear him. Yeah, if you take so, Adderall and aspirin, uh, but, uh, then you, you get Aspinall, and you put it together. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen Jack Shore. That's someone I'll I'll go back and watch. But I need to know uh, what happened with uh, my guy Charles Jordan. Um, well, Jordan was having a close fight with Arosa. Arosa won the first. Jordan won the second, and it looked like he was getting some momentum. And then Arosa came to life in the third, and he was winning most of. Uh, most of the round, I would say it was somewhat close, but uh, Charles just—I think Charles went for it and he got caught. Like he, Arosa is really sneaky and he's long, and uh, he just—he got Jordan in the dars and he had Jordan had nowhere to go. So I mean, that's that's basically what happened with Jordan. Uh, Mark Andre Barrio looked great against uh, Dolce Lunchambula. He's moved to Sanford MMA and he uh, he just this guy's—they call him Power Bar for a reason. He's just got incredible cardio. And he was able to really outpace uh, Dolce in that fight. But, uh, yeah, Jordan unfortunately got caught by Arosa. I actually should check in with him. I always hate sending fighters messages after they lose. But at the same time, they probably want to talk to somebody. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's lonely yeah. when you lose. So I should send him a note. Um, yeah, and I think Charles is just uh, such a good vibe in person. I think he would probably appreciate it for sure. Yeah. Now, was he winning the fight until he got caught? No, I wouldn't say. I would say he wasn't. Like, I I think. I think he lost the first. I think he won the second, and I think he was to that point in the third. I thought Erosa was winning, but you know, there was another two minutes to do something, so he might have been able to pull it out. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch that anyways. I need to watch it anyways. I'll still watch. I need to support him for sure. Yeah, that's this card was worth watching. This was a really strong card, I would say, and um, Khalil Roundtree. Uh, yes, basically that's destroyed, my other point. He destroyed Bukowskis' knee. He did one of those oblique kicks to the knee, and basically everything shattered. Yeah. Now, I that, I kept getting asked about it. I mean, I didn't even see it, but everyone kept asking me, so I knew something happened with it. Then I looked back. I heard it was Roundtree. Do everyone's like, should they be stopped? I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they should be stopped. I mean, if one, 
from any form of martial arts, they say you can't hit the kneecap, but the oblique kick kind of goes on top of the knee. So, I mean, it, it still pushes the knee backwards, which creates the damage. But I don't know. Like, think about what a submission is. A submission is snapping the joint in the other way. It's kind of like to take it out. I understand maybe in kickboxing you'd want to take it out, but in MMA to take it out after you can snap someone's arm in arm bars and submissions, I don't think so. I think you can keep it in. Just have to be aware and adapt, just like the calf kick. Now, here's the thing. But I don't know. It takes a long time to recover from something like this because it's like PCL, MCL, ACL. And that's uh, never great. Not to mention that Bukowski was a pr- one of the primary training everything. partners for John Jones for many years, right? So I'm sure he's encountered this in training. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. uh, it, when you it, don't expect it, the timing yeah. of it, and Khalil's it's, a big it's tough. Dude. Yeah, but at and he's got good low kicks too. Yeah, for sure, he's got great low kicks, and he looked he looked good in that fight. He was winning that fight, but Bukowski, uh, he takes that he takes that kick, and he's going to be injured for a while. But then, on the flip side of things. Like if we're gonna ban that, we're still people are still getting hit in the head with like shin shin to temple kicks, right? Like the the amount of, of head trauma that people are taking. It's like this this is what I would compare it to. When people see violence on on camera, like if somebody gets if somebody gets mugged or something and gets punched in the back of the head or something, and it's on on camera, people are a lot more horrified by it than if you read in a newspaper that somebody got hit in the head and mugged. You know what I mean? Like when you actually see it yeah. happen. You, um, you, you, there's a much more visceral response. So we don't see the damage when people get hit in the head. We don't see what, what happens to their brains. We don't know. It's silent. And I mean, you, you've, you walked away from kickboxing for, for this reason. We don't know what happens um, to somebody's head when they, take, when they endure brain trauma. When we see someone's leg snap in half, we have something tangible in front of us. We see a leg, we see it twisted in a weird way, yeah. and we have a visceral response to it. So we need to keep that in mind when we're talking about banning oblique kicks. Uh, because like you mentioned, with submissions, you're trying to break someone's arm, you're trying to break someone's leg, you're trying to... The knee bars are horrible. Like, they, they, they twist someone's leg oh, make me like, sick like a dreidel. I see you. Speaking of which, a happy <laughs> Jewish New Year to everybody. But yeah, it spins, spins <laughs> people's legs like a, uh, like a dreidel. So it's... Uh, you know, it, it's again, it's it's it, you have a more visceral response when you see something like that versus the stuff that you don't see but is still going on. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no. Even when uh, we had an example this weekend with Todd and I, there was one fight where there was low kicks and calf kicks, and Todd was mentioning like, man, they should stop the fight. They should stop the fight because maybe he has a knee injury. I was like. No, they shouldn't stop the fight, or the corner shouldn't stop the fight for. But he said, "What if he tore his?" Ass? I'm like, "It's not his head." Like, I mean, yeah. that is a good case scenario. A lot of times in fights, if your biggest scenario is I tore my ACL in a fight, you should be happy because your knee's replaceable. And like you said, the silent brain injuries you can't see, but that's what you need to worry about. When your fighter gets knocked out, you need to worry. If they tear a, a ligament, yes, they're out for a year, but at least it's repairable. Right. So that's the main thing for me. What is irreplaceable and what can be replaced? So knees, you're fine. Brain, no. I that's think in our lifetime, thing. they will have something that will be able to heal the brain. Like whether it's I know they're doing a lot of different research on psychedelics and things of that nature. I think that yeah. in, in some at some point in time, we are going to see a cure for brain injury. I hope I, I would like to see that in our lifetime. But I, it seems like they're doing me a too. lot of work on that because if you think back 20 years ago, nobody was talking about concussions. Like, it wasn't a, a thing. Like, people were just... Like, if you look at NFL players, people were just suffering the um, 
the impacts of having post-concussion syndrome. Like Mike Webster, who was a lineman for the Patrick for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, his son walked into his house and his dad's head was in the oven. He was just like he was just in the oven. Like it's his brain was like yeah. not functioning properly, Pain. right? So yeah. it's like yeah. you you you. Now that we've we've learned more and more about this, it's going to be I think a more of a priority to study. So I hope that in our lifetime we do see some sort of cure. Yeah, I think there's. I don't know. There's at least there's some positive research and energy going into it. But honestly, what a big part of head injuries that we don't see is we talk about it because we're in fighting. But I honestly feel bad more for because, you know what, we signed up for it. We know what's the risk involved. That sometimes it's the everyday person who maybe gets into a car accident and they're just not used to being into that trauma. And that's what scares me. The people who maybe fell and hit their head and then they're dealing with damages and kids who something fell on their head and now they're dealing, that alarms me more. And I think that's where we really need the research. I mean, fighting, at least we signed up for it. We know what's going to happen, but those people who don't sign up for the head injuries from the accidents and stuff, that really scares me out. I've seen kids, and me working in a special education school, a lot of times the kids that I've worked with, maybe something fell on their head when they were young and their brain didn't get to develop. So that was really, really tough. And it really made my injuries sometimes feel like nothing. So there is a bigger picture. Well, there's not really a ton of uh, combat sports this weekend in the major promotions. It seems like the, uh, the thing that's getting some attention is Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort. Anders and Silva versus Tito Ortiz with commentary from uh, former President Donald Trump. I did a double take when I saw this yesterday because uh, it's the 20th 20th anniversary of September 11th and the former president will be commentating on boxing. And it just seems like we're living in a very strange... The more that things happen in this life, Joe, the more it feels like we're in the Truman Show. Yeah, seriously. What the heck is this? I just saw it now. And this is on Triller? <laughs> this is on Triller. Triller just keeps throwing stuff at the wall, man. They <laughs> Like, let's see what sticks. And uh, I yeah. don't know how they put this together and how this came together, but uh, it's strange. It's, I mean, let's just be real. It's, uh, it's odd. And I'm not going to comment on any, anything politically. I, 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 I don't think that this is a political thing. You know, everybody will stick to, we'll give you the old stick to sports and I'll, let's stick to sports. This is weird. It's just a weird night. It's a weird night of boxing. I, I, he might be good. Who knows? He might be very good if he gets his, his voice and he starts talking. I'll, it could be interesting. Could I don't know. I'm not going to watch this. I, I, and it's not because of you putting your foot down. This is yeah. It. I, I mean, I'd like to see Anderson Silva box again. That's really the only thing about this that appeals to me. But like, Holyfield's 58. They moved the event to Florida so that they could get the fight sanctioned to have a 58 year old box. Vitor Belfort, who, May or may not be on some some something special going into this fight. Who knows? Now, I'm not going to point any fingers, but he definitely looks a lot better than he did when he was uh, fighting under the UFC umbrella towards the end of his career. I just can't watch it. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Are you going to watch it? Do you have interest in watching it? Yeah, I'll probably watch it. I watch everything. I might end up. I would. It, I would. I wish I would have liked I will watch uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I would have liked De La Hoya over Holyfield, but I don't know. I'm into them now. I guess I'm. Maybe I, I still, I'm still. I if they want to pay me, I would still like to do one of these thriller ones. To be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be part of the joke show. Then you'll watch, Aaron. You have to watch. If oh, I'm if you're, if you're competing, I will watch regardless. If you're competing in discus, okay. I'll watch. But I mean, uh, okay. I, yeah, maybe it's, I will. Maybe it's getting, I will end up watching it. It's crazy. It's just it's getting a, crazy. It's a little bit over the top. But I mean, hey, that's what thriller's mo is. 
Um, do they have the announcement who's, who's performing? Are we going to get some Doja Cat? Are we going to get That's some? That's what uh, I was going to yeah, say. What are we, what are we, what are we, what are we talking about here? That's insane. Is Ariana Grande doing a set? Do we have and who's the, the main comment? The main commentators usually who Ray Flores. I thought it was last time, right? It was Ray Flores last time, and I think it was also like uh, um, what's his name from uh, HBO Box? Jim Lampley. Jim Lampley does it. Snoop Dogg's on it sometimes. Oscar was on it Crazy. last time. Who knows? They just I don't know, maybe Pitbull will be on commentary. Let's get Pitbull in the mix. Hey, why not? Yeah. At this point now, that this is probably like the pinnacle of having a guest commentator, Donald Trump. Doesn't right. get bigger than that. After Jeez. this, over, I'm setting an over-under for you. Over-under, one and a half more Triller events after this. Uh, over. You think there will be, there will be two, at least two more Triller events after this? I do. I, don't, I just I don't do. see how they're making money off of this. Like how? Freak shows. I don't know. Or there's some other backing of something. Who knows? But there's got to be some good money behind it for them to be able to put on stuff like this and to pay these guys to want to do it. It's got to be something. I mean, I, I so rarely get a Saturday night to like spend with my family and school starting again on Thursday. I'm going to have this to really weigh my one. options. It's going to be, this is gonna be yeah. a game time decision for me. I think this is the one. If you're going to do it, now's the time. Now's the time to skip. I agree. Skip it <laughs> and watch the highlight. It'll be good enough. All right, Joe. Well, now that you've given me permission, maybe I'll do that. We'll see. You got permission. I can give you a week off, Aaron. You watch everything. You get the week off. Well, uh, next Tuesday, I'm excited. We've got Jasmine Jasudovicius, who uh, you and I have seen fight live at uh, BTC. We'll be uh, nice. competing at the That's Dana her Rocky debut. Ministers. Even money against Julia Palastri. Oh, even money. Yeah. This is her chance, though. This She's got to get it done. And I hey, know, but you know um, what? It's also Julia Palastri's chance, right? Let's not forget. True. Yeah, well, we're a little biased. I am. I don't know the other girl, and I know Jazzy, so I got to yeah. be biased there. And Jasmine's gonna have a big height advantage. I think this other girl's five one, five two, and Jasmine's probably five six, five seven at least. And I, and I read, unfortunately, through his coach, because I don't follow him. I should. The Romero kid, unfortunately, yeah, lost. He lost. Yeah, I watched this fight this past weekend as well. Yeah, he won. He won the uh, second round, I would say. Um, if I rec- it was one- either the first or the second, I think it was the first round. He won the first round, and then he lost the second, and then I thought he lost the third as well. So um, he's no longer undefeated, unfortunately. So, but Anthony Romero, keep your head up. Good, good fighter from that same camp uh, with Jasmine Jasadavicius and Aaron Jeffrey, who's competing at the end of the month as well. So uh, let's let's hope he can bounce back. I, I think he's a great fighter, very good fundamentals, and facing a tough guy, a guy who oh, I yeah. believe was also on Contender Series, uh, JJ Okonovich. So. It was probably his stiffest test to date, and uh, doing it in Texas as well, so where I, I believe Okanovich is from. So, uh, you know, just a, a tough tough showing, rough showing, and I think he'll come back better. Yeah, and he's young, isn't he? Isn't he young, or is he in his 30s, yeah, no, or I he think, looks I think, young? I think he's young. I think he's in his late 20s. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he looks promising, so hopefully. Yeah, so uh, we'll, I'm we'll all... see. I'm all cheering. I'm all cheering for more Canadians. And I thought Laramie should be up soon, right? Yeah, Laramie's got a fight lined up. Good. I forgot who it was against, but uh, let me pull it up. I remember thinking it wasn't a very good matchup for him, personally. I mean, based on what I... Let me see who it is. You can tell me if you agree. So he's staying at featherweight, which I, I think is already a tough ask for him. I think that he should be moving down to bantamweight, personally. He's 
He's like five foot six, right? He's pretty short for the featherweight yeah. division. He's facing Sick, Mel- he's, yeah. he's facing Melsic Bagdarsarian, who we saw a couple weeks ago. Looked like an absolute monster. All right. So do you remember, Mel- do you remember Melsic? Been... He's coached by uh, Edmund uh, Edmund Tarverdian, and uh, he had that big win over Colin Anglin back in July. I'll have to see a face. If you watch the knockout, you'll remember it. It was just okay. this guy. This guy hits with everything. I think I think TJ is probably going to be a pretty big underdog in this fight. And I actually, I have this weird feeling. I have this weird feeling. I'm going to say it here to you. I have a feeling it's going to suck, but I have a feeling Malcolm's next matchup is going to be the Glory Kid, Zaruk Adeshev. Oh, Adeshev. The two people I like. I just have a weird feeling. Oh, so you don't know this for a fact? That's going to be it. I don't. I have no clue. I've been saying this for a while, and I was like, I hope. Because when I uh, first went with him, I'm like, I hope they never match because I like Zarouk and I've known him for so many years. And they they ended up fighting – both end up fighting Maderji. So I was like, it's slowly happening. I was like, no. Then they won like one event after each other. Then I'm like, oh, here it goes. So this is strictly your uh, intuition? You're not, you're not, you don't know this and you're just going to try to look smart? Strictly intuition. Okay. Yeah. And then one <laughs> – you're going to be like, wow, you said it. I just have this weird feeling the next matchup for these guys It's not guys a terrible matchup for Malcolm one. though. Malcolm could take him down and control him. Don't no, you I'm not saying it's, it's bad okay. for anyone. I just think it's bad it, for you. they're opposites of <laughs> styles and they're both – I like both of them and yeah. I don't want to see either lose. So that's – I want to see them both win. That's a I thing. got you. But you, I mean you're obviously uh, on team Malcolm for life, right? If you have to pick a side there, you're, oh, yeah. you're drawing the line yeah, in the sand, sure. right? Definitely, 100%. Well, Zaruk will Hopefully he doesn't listen. So sorry, Zaruk, if you're listening. Yeah. But yes, I got to ride with him. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for us, Joe. I'm trying to think of uh, what, what do we have next for the UFC that we'll talk about next. We've got Anthony Smith-Ryan Spann main event uh, coming up September the 18th. Um, also, um, Armin Sarukian is fighting on that card. He's a massive favorite. Um, Montel Jackson against J.P. Bays. That's a, a fun one. Bays moving up to the uh, bantamweight division. Um, a lot of a lot of interesting fights on this card. This is this is one of those cards that um, it is for the diehards. Let's just put it that way. I like that. They end up being good ones sometimes. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. After, they always end up uh, having their moments. We and after a week stuff. off, you'll appreciate it even more. Yeah, always do. But I wish they would take the week off. I mean, I know it's kind of Labor Day week, so that's probably why they took this week off. But I, I wish they would take a week off before pay per views. I think that makes way more sense. Yeah, we always said that. Yeah, we've yeah, we, always said that. That's been our that's been our Makes agenda. sense. It's been our agenda for some time. We're just pushing our agenda. That's it. All right, keep, I know you gotta go. Putting it in. You gotta go. So yeah, I gotta, gotta do go. some YouTube filming and bazooka training filming. So let me go now, and I will treat you with some good YouTube videos. All right, and you can go to uh, Joseph Valtellini on YouTube if you want to find those. You can go to bazookatraining.com if you'd like to get yep. in some online training with Joe. You can go to Bazooka Kickboxing. On Progress Road, if you'd like to uh, get in, uh, get some in-person sessions in, in-person work in, and uh, there you go. Yeah, so there you have it. And uh, until next time, boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca/ufc.